Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Jesus Podcast, riding the rodeo of religion and life. It is great to come to you here on an August, the last day of August here in sunny Colorado. It's 98 degrees outside. I'm sitting in my office with the air conditioner going, so it's nice and cool in here. I hope that you're nice and cool wherever you might be. Today is episode 52 Episode 52, I'm almost approaching 5,000 downloads for this podcast, which in the grand scheme of things, compared to other podcasters, that's not much. But for little old me, that's not bad. I'll take that. So today, I want to talk about something that many people ask me about, but really none of us know, and that is what happens to us after we die. What happens to us after we die? I'll never forget when Lynn Keller died. Lynn was a longtime member of Columbine United Church. She was terminal. She was in Porter Hospital. Uh, They told her she had uh, three to four more days to live. She wanted to see me, so I went to visit her. She asked all of her children and family to leave. uh, She sat me down on the edge of her bed and she asked me, Steve, what's going to happen to me when I die? Will it be what I imagine it to be? Will it be rainbow and butterflies? Will I be in a beautiful garden? Will I meet Jesus? Will there be pearly gates? You know, Lynn was asking a question that becomes focused when we're staring death in the face. And it hasn't just been Lynn. Throughout my career, I've had several people ask me that same question. What is going to happen to me after they die? It's as if they think because I'm a pastor, I'll have a great insight more so than the average person about life after death. Well, you know, I've done a lot of reading on the subject. I've interviewed many people about their views. So yes, I do have some idea about what happens to we di- happens to us after we die or more I have my own opinions about what happens to us after we die. And and since I've been intentional about this work, I wanted to take some time to share with you Hopefully that you're not going to just take my ideas and my answers, but that this podcast will hopefully prompt you and your own thinking. Okay, so if we're going to talk about life after death, the first thing I think we need to do is you need to get good with the fact that you are going to die. It sounds kind of obvious, but people hate thinking about this. They think they're going to dodge it. They can postpone it. They know it's somewhere in their future, but they try not to spend a lot of time thinking about it. You know, I really disagree. I believe you need to get clear with the concept that you will die. You will be dead. Every time I see a dead person, I think to myself, Steve, take a good look. Someday this will be you. You know, I've gotten so clear about this that uh, if I have a long protracted illness, I'll talk with my family about what to expect, what I'll look like, what it'll be like when I'm dead. You know, I, I know it's hard for uh, spouses and kids to take a look at their loved one who is dead. It's just like they just don't look like them, themselves. And I think that it would be helpful if somebody kind of said, look at this is what I'm going to look like when I'm dead. I'm going to look like a piece of wood. I'm going to look like everything that made me who I am is gone. And it's kind of a good thing, I believe, that what made me who I am is gone. It means there's something else going on. But if nothing else, I've come to a point 
where I'm good with the idea that at some point I'm going to be dead and sometime you're going to be dead. And the other thing is everybody thinks that they're going to die in their sleep. That's what they want to do. They just want to go to bed and not wake up. You know, the percentage of people that that happens to is minute. The majority of people, they die in one of two ways. They die either by the great big baseball bat, like a traffic accident, like a stroke or a heart attack, something, an aneurysm, something that just like blows into the life and bam, wipes them out. They're gone like a big baseball bat. Like when my dad died, he was healthy, he was doing well, and then one night he was watching a basketball game on TV and he had a massive stroke. He had one hour of suffering and then he was gone. He was just gone. It was like a big baseball bat. The other way people die is with a long protracted illness, like some type of cancer, some kind of diabetes, MS, where just slowly kind of whittles your body away. You go through chemotherapy, treatment after treatment, and then you lose all your weight, you lose your hair, you're just down to nothing, and sometimes you lose your mind, and then after a long time, you're going to die. That doesn't sound very hopeful to people. But my experience is that's what it looks like, one of those two things for everybody. And so you got to get yourself ready for that. Uh, you have to get yourself mentally and spiritually ready for that. I'll never forget one time a woman in the church, um, oh, I wish I can remember her name. She was the greatest woman. She was uh, elderly. She was diagnosed with a cancer and she was going to die and I was with her throughout her entire dying process. And I'll never forget uh, the two or three days right before she died, she was very coherent and she was struggling so hard. And she said, Steve, I never knew how much work it took takes to die. And she struggled so much with this, with it. And I, you know, she was really faithful in her whole journey. I just wish she had more Ativan or something to lower her anxiety, some more morphine to kind of calm her struggle. But it's you just have to get good with it. You're gonna be you're gonna die, and it's not going to be easy. But once you kind of accept that and you get yourself spiritually ready for it, then you can take the next step. And the next step is to ask yourself, well, what happens to us after we die? You know, and for me, the next step in that is getting clear with the notion that there might not be a single thing that happens to us after we die. You know, I had a conversation not too long ago with someone about life after death, and he asked me, well, what if nothing happens? And I said, in other words, what if it's only the long dirt nap? You know? <laughs> If it's the only long dirt nap, I think you have to come to terms with this as well. There might not be anything more. You know, you might die, it slides out, and that's all. You're buried and cremated, a few words are said about you, and all you leave is your legacy. You know, are you good with this? It's also important to get clear. You know, I've decided that if there's nothing more after we die, then I'm okay with it. If it's just a long dirt nap, I'm good with it. You know, I've lived a life. I've faced some incredible hurdles. I've been married, raised three kids, loved two grandkids. I've written books, had a career, ministered to people. I've traveled to parts of the world. I've failed miserably. I've picked myself back up again. I've tried to take life and squeeze it like an orange to get all the juice possible out of it. 
But because I've had so much opportunity, if this is all there is, then I'm good with it. I'm okay. I can look at my death, let go of my life, and die. You know, what about you? Where are you with the long dirt nap? I think this is a tough thing to think about, you know, when you have kids that die or when you have young people die and there's so much of life that they have that is left unfulfilled that if all that is is that they die and it's a long dirt nap, it, it just feels so unjust whether it's compared to someone myself, 63 years of age. You know, I'm hoping to live to be 120. That's what I always joke about. You know, I... I know I'm not going to be lived to 120. I'd love to live to 100 years old, a good, healthy 100 years. That means I've got, you know, what, 38 years left, 37 years left, and I want to soak the world up. But, you know, if a young person dies and it's long dirt nap, I mean, that's, it feels like such a crime. It's, you just feel like, you know, there's got to be more than just this young, short life. Um, so I'm hoping for, you know, I'm hoping it's something else, but if it's not, if it is just a long dirt nap, then I'm good with it. Okay, but then once you come to terms with the long dirt nap, you can ask the question, but wait, what if there's something else? What if when the lights go off, they come back on again? What if, what if? This is when the fun begins. This is where you can start reading and listening to what people believe, you know, Many people have read the books 90, book 90 Minutes in Heaven. Maybe you've uh, read this book, and this book, um, I can't remember the author's name, but he's a minister. He tells the story of when he was in a car accident, and he was rolled over by a semi, and he died. He tells about his experience of going to heaven. He, he heard beautiful music. He saw great visions. He was just about to enter into heaven when suddenly he was snapped back into his human body. You know, according to the paramedics that were working on him in the car crash, he had been dead for 90 minutes. His book is a first-hand account of what happened during those 90 minutes, hence the title 90 Minutes in Heaven. Okay, I always read books like this and I say, well, this is pretty uh, out there. But why would this guy lie to us? Is he just trying to make money? So I always say, take it back 50%. If it's only half true, is it still fantastic? Maybe it was 45 minutes in heaven. But is it, if it's only 50% true, is it still fantastic? Yes, it is. So, so then I say, so take it back again. What if it's only 25% true? Is it still fantastic? Yes, it's amazing. Because if only a bit of it is true, what it tells us is something does happen to us after we die. Then you can start reading the thousands of accounts. There are so many accounts out there of people who have life after death experiences who come back and say, it's true, something grand happens to us after we die. In fact, I read a great book about the, the author looked at the, um, the uh, different cultures and different cultural perspectives of people who have life after death experiences. And man, Many of them tell us some of the same things despite the culture. So I thought that was cool. So even though I'm good with the long dirt nap, I'm convinced something happens to us after we die. I believe this life isn't all. Something else happens to us. So I guess let me tell you first of all what I don't believe happens. I don't believe in the traditional Christian view of people judged by God 
and they're either thrown into hell or allowed to enter into heaven. You know, as a theologian and a biblical scholar, I think this is terrible theology. Hell is a derivative of apocalyptic theology at the end of the first century. What we think of of hell was further developed by Dante in his book, The Inferno. You know, I don't believe a good, loving God would judge us and condemn some of us to hell. I just don't believe it's going to happen that way. You know, there might be some kind of judgment. I thought about that. There might be some kind of judgment, some type of, you know, when you die, you come to terms with how you've lived and you've, you kind of look at your life from God's perspective and you see everything that you've done wrong and you feel remorseful for it than everything you've done right and you feel good about that. But then after that, there comes what I believe in and that's grace, forgiveness, and an entrance into what's ever going to happen next, whether it's that, you know, the 90 minutes in heaven becomes a lifetime in heaven and an eternal life, or so what? what? What is next? So all the different world religions have different beliefs about what happens next. A great book to read is the Tibetan book of Living and Dying. The book walks through the Buddhist view of bardos that a soul travels through in the next stages after death. Wiccan and many of the Celtic earth traditions believe in a form of reincarnation. You can be reincarnated as an animal, a person, a tree, and there's, you know, there's no judgment placed on what you're reincarnated as. If you're a human in this lifetime and a small mouse in another, that's not a judgment or commentary on their present life. In fact, many people have a mouse as their spirit animal, and it's a very insightful animal to be uh, have as a spirit animal. So you might be reincarnated as a mouse, and there might be something very significant as you become a spirit animal for a whole group of people. But, you know, I find comfort in the possibility of being reincarnated as an animal. You know, I'll take a horse, a dog, a cat, an eagle. Yeah, knowing my luck, I'll be a talking parrot after a lifetime of being a preacher. But, I, you know, I, I guess... I believe in reincarnation. Um, I believe something that happens to something happens to us, and I don't believe that you just kind of go to heaven. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what the resurrection is, or maybe resurrection means something completely else, and maybe resurrection is reincarnation. That's why one view that I've studied, that I've heard lectures on, and intrigues me to no end is what is called the metaphysical spiritual tradition. There's a great book uh, to start with called Many Lives, Many Masters, written by Brian Weiss, MD. Dr. Weiss is a psychiatrist. In the book, he tells the story of a woman he was doing hypnotherapy with. The woman who, in the midst of a hypnotic state, she started talking about a time between her past life and her previous life. It was a time between lives. You know, at first, Dr. Weiss, Weiss was confused by what she said. She thought He thought she was out of touch with her reality, but she kept repeating the same scenarios. Dr. Weiss became so intrigued that he wondered if he should publish his findings. The only thing that held him back was his fear that his colleagues would think that he was nuts. But, nonetheless, he published his findings. Sure, 
There were some who thought he was, what he was saying was preposterous, but there are many other therapists who were having the same experience. All of their clients in a hypnotic state were all describing the same things. You know, another interesting book is called Seth Speaks, and it's kind of a far out book, but it's a book that corroborates everything that Dr. Wee says from a whole completely other perspective so that a lot of the people in the kind of a metaphysical uh, strand of thought are saying some of these same things. So there was a large following of people that developed after the publication of Seth Speaks, Many Lives, Many Masters, and then a whole slug of other books that were published. And a group that, for lack of a better name, I'll call the Metaphysical Philosophy School, they further fleshed out their material until they had a comprehensive view of the afterlife based upon the hundreds, if not thousands, of testimonies of people who described the afterlife. And as crazy as it is, hold on, this is kind of crazy, but this is their vision of what happened next. And I find it compelling. So let me unpack it. Let's keep on going. First, what they believe is a human body has a soul. Or a better way of saying it, is a soul has a human body. That's a key concept. A soul has a human body, not a human body has a soul. The soul comes first. Actually, at its very conception, when a soul emerges into the creation, the soul might, have, the soul might be part of an ocean, a mountain range, a lake as it matures and after a millennia being a part of an inanimate or living dynamic natural thing, the soul matures to the point where it enters a phase of having a human body so that the soul then has a body and lives a lifetime in a body. And the purpose of a lifetime of the soul is to mature. The purpose of living in that body is to mature the soul to prepare it for its next leg of development. So every single lifetime that a soul is in a body, it matures. So the metaphysicists believe in a form of reincarnation where a soul is lived and moved from one life to another for hundreds, if not thousands of lifetimes. One of my um, favorite spiritual mentors, Dr. Foster Harding, uh, believes is that he's been reincarnated over, I think it's like 450 times. He's done a lot of study on this. I, th I just find that fascinating. I wonder how many lifetimes I've been, uh, I've been reincarnated, maybe two, three at the tops. But, uh, so, but, the, you, but you get the idea. The purpose of a body is to have a, the soul has a body during the lifetime the soul matures based upon the experiences that the body has. So in each journey with the body, the soul learns and grows into new stages of development. So the interesting thing is the concept about the times between death and the next embodiment. That's the fascinating thing that, that the metaphysicists have believed. So instead of just going from death and slamming into a body, they describe a resting place for souls. I just love this. A rest. So 
just think reincarnation. A lot of people think, well, I believe in reincarnation, but they really haven't thought through what happens between when a person dies, when a person is reincarnated into something else. The metaphysical people, based upon the testimonies of people, have flushed this out. So this is what they believe. After a lifetime, the soul is tired and needs rest. So after the body dies, the soul enters into a spiritual dimension where it joins with other souls that it has been traveling with. There is a soul grouping. And even though some souls, their bodies might have died earlier than other souls, they kind of gather together and they wait in a resting state for all the souls that have been traveling together to regather together during this resting time. And many of these souls have they've traveled through many lifetimes together. They have been each other's mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, friends, enemies, bosses, workers, kings, queens. You know, there's you've probably heard the notion of a soulmate. Well, where does that come from? It comes from this. Maybe you've had someone that you would call your soulmate. It is someone that you have a deep spiritual connection with. Well, this tradition says that you feel this way because you have been partners through many lifetimes together. You might have been each other's husband and wives. You might have been each other's mother, daughter, parent, son, father, son, whatever, best friends, all these different things in different uh, spiritual or previous life uh, lifespans. But now in this lifespan, you found each other and you are connected yet again as your soulmate. Like, I feel like my wife Phoebe is my soulmate. Uh, we have such a deep connection. You know, I feel like we've been together in previous lifetimes in some way, shape, or form. Okay, it's during this resting phase of the gathering of souls that the souls meet with a guiding soul, a teacher, kind of an oversoul. The soul and the teacher meet and they evaluate the past lifetime. They review the lessons learned and the experience gained. Together they reflect about the next lifetime and what it is that the soul needs to learn. Together, this, the teacher soul and the other, the lower soul, they choose a body, they choose a place, they choose a family group to be a part of. The soul agrees to the different challenges that this next time will present. And then after they have rested, after the other soul, the group, soul grouping is ready to enter, they just enter into a whole new set of bodies during this lifetime. You are birthed anew into a new body and you begin the next lifestyle life cycle you know the ultimate desire then of the soul is to journey lifetime after lifetime learning and learning resting maturing another lifetime until the soul has completely matured and enters into the creator's presence you know i love this some people this whole story has got to seem like outlandish and crazy. I'll never, every time I teach this, and you must be like rolling your eyes like, oh, come on, Steve, really? But I, I find it compelling. I mean, for a long time, I have believed in reincarnation. As such, you know, I think that this is the best exclamation, explanation of what happens in reincarnation between when someone dies and is born into the next soul. I mean, they have really fleshed out. And it's important to note that Christians in the first and second centuries uh, readily accepted the whole notion of reincarnation. The whole notion of reincarnation 
fell into uh, a bad standing after the Council of Nicaea, but in the first first uh, two centuries, no, Christians readily believed in reincarnation. So this is nothing new. Um, it was just I just you know after death, something has to happen to the soul to determine what is going to happen next. This metaphysical view. Uh, you know, based upon the testimony of people like Brian Weiss and their many other publishers, publishers, they flesh it out. You might sound crazy. It might sound crazy, but every single time I teach this, like right now I'm doing this podcast, I have to say, I know it sounds nuts, but it makes sense to me. I might not agree with every detail, but I got to tell you, I find it compelling. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe you die, and then in a very traditional way for Christians, you meet Jesus, you meet your family and friends, and you go to heaven for all eternity. You know, this is maybe the classical Christian understanding of life after death. And maybe this is what I should have told Lynn Keller. Actually, I did tell Lynn. I wanted, you know, it's one of the things that um, I believe as a pastor is you don't want to scare the hell out of someone, right, when they're sitting on their deathbed. So I think I, I tried to give her something that was comforting. And I tried to give countless of hundreds of people that I've worked with uh, throughout the past 38 years, I've tried to give them something comforting to believe in. But, um, but I've told them every single time to not be afraid that something happens to us after we die. The Buddhists believe it. The Hindus believe it. The Celtic pagan religions believe it. Indigenous religions like Native Americans, they all believe in a form of reincarnation. There's even sections of Judaism that believe in reincarnation. They all believe something happens to us after we die. What do you believe happens to us after we die? I believe it's either the long dirt nap or it's something amazing, compelling, and completely fantastic. You know, I'm good with either one. What about you? A long dirt nap or something else? What do you believe happens to you after you die? Don't wait until you're sitting on your deathbed and you want me to come sit beside you to figure this, figure this out. Work it out now. What do you believe? All right, that's enough for today. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm also doing some life coaching. You can go to my website, www.centosaurcoaching.com. You can also read my blog, Cowboy Jesus. You can find it on Facebook as well as stevescowboyjesus.blogspot.com. I try to publish that once a week. Watch for my Wednesday shout-outs. Those are short little videos I make in the beginning of the week or in the middle of the week. Try to kind of give you an uplift going there on Wednesday. There's a lot going on, a lot of different ways to connect. Let me know your thoughts. And there is episode 52 of Cowboy Jesus, Riding the Rodeo of Religion and Life. Take care. <laughs>